Welcome to another edition of Find Your Calling Podcast. I'm Todd Wilson, the host. I am just thrilled to have Francis Chan with me today. Welcome, Francis. Hey, Todd. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, most of you know Francis, but for those that don't, Francis is a author and speaker of numerous books, a pastor, an advocate, I would say a passionate Christ follower, husband to Lisa, and a father of seven kids, I think it is, Francis, if I remember the count right. <laughs> Uh, yes. That's enough to keep you busy there. Francis is also the founder of the Eternity Bible College, a church planter, Cornerstone Church, and now he's in San Francisco, dreams of uh, a church planting movement and a nationwide discipleship movement. So we're glad to have you, Francis. If you would, just spend a couple minutes and catch us up on what you're up to these days. Oh, gosh. I feel like I've got my hands in too many different things right now, but let me just share my biggest passion and excitement, which is the church been planting churches in San Francisco and it's all lay led and no budget out of houses and we gather once a month together in a park and it's been so fulfilling and giving me so much peace and so much hope for the church going into the future. And that's where you're the starting of the churches is where you're planning to stay for a while? Yeah, you know, we, we just started a, a house church out of my house with the intention that it wouldn't stay there and telling the guys, look, six months to a year from now, we're going to split and we'll be two churches and I won't be the pastor of either one of them. I'm going to be discipling a couple of guys to lead each of them. And then, so we, we did that and then we split the two churches and the four churches, to eight churches, and now we're raising up the leaders, you know, split to 16. The whole idea is just, gosh, educating these guys and teaching them as they're doing the ministry I don't know that I've ever loved a group of guys this much or felt so much peace about where we're headed and, and how these uh, churches are shaping up. Well, there's not a universally accepted definition of calling out there. If you could, just talk to us about your sort of working definition of calling or how you would characterize calling to people. You, you know, that, that's an interesting one because I, I almost feel like God calls me to different roles and tasks at different points in my life. Like, I never would have thought that I would be doing something like this. You know, earlier, I, I felt like I was just going to have, I don't know, at some point, just keep growing my church and my my speaking and my audience. And it, it in hindsight, I, I do think God was having me do that at that period of my life. And now I believe he's given me thoughts, a heart for a different expression of church, and so I want to be faithful to that and pursue that as fervently as I pursued the other model. Well, if someone were to ask you, based on the different callings at different times, Francis, what is your calling today? Right now, I, I feel like the Lord has really given me a, a passion for the church that's about purity and about what he wants for the church to be a light again. I don't even know if I can put it all in words. It's like I, and, and probably by the time I put it into words, it'll be <laughs> different tomorrow. I, you know, it's, it's like, I, I'm not a great, like, oh, here's what I'm doing for the next five, ten years. It's just day to day because the greatest things in my life seem to be things that just kind of happen to me or I run into as I'm just in a spirit of prayer or asking God to set things up for my day. So I guess it's kind of hard. I, I can tell you right now, I mean, my calling for the last month has been 
God just calling me into a deeper relationship with him and in a season where it's like, gosh, I just want to know him. I want to desire him. I want to long for him because I'm so task driven and um, I worship accomplishment and achievement and, and checklists and people like me almost can look at relationship as a waste of time. And yet so much of scripture is about this relationship and abiding in Christ. And so, you know, up until this podcast, I've kind of shut off all email and, you know, texts and everything for the last month just to dwell closely with him and get to know him. And, and so I believe that was God's calling for me in this month. And with that, he works it all out so that when I'm speaking, that's naturally what comes out to other people. And I don't know. So I, I for me personally, that's the way his calling works you know, listening to that whisper of the Holy Spirit is such an important part of, of being sensitive to respond to calling. If you just take the simple example of this last 30 days of you being completely away from all things digital, how did that come about? Yeah, well, I was actually flying to India to speak to a bunch of church leaders. It was on the airplane there. Just, you know, I was walking by the first class section and I I was telling my friend, oh, I hate this part, you know, walking back to coach and looking at these seats. And then I'm like, I think I just coveted. I coveted. I coveted. Like, why do we not talk about coveting? That's like a big deal. And I'm repenting. I'm sitting at my seat. And then the flight <laughs> attendant comes up to me and she goes, hey, Mr. Chan, a couple people didn't show up. You've been upgraded. I'm like, no way. You know, I learned my lesson. And and I get first class. <laughs> but anyways, I'm laying down in first class. <laughs> Praise God. Colossians 3 comes to mind. So I just start reading it about setting your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. And then at the end of it, you know, or it talks about, um, you know, getting rid of putting to death covetousness, which is idolatry. I thought, well, that's weird. That's exactly what I was convicted about was my coveting. And I put it all together of, you know, setting your mind on things above versus coveting. And it's like, wow, every time I covet, my eyes are not in heaven. And, you know, I'm focused on something on the earth and, and just start thinking about, man, how do I keep my mind on things above and not on things of the earth when the things of the earth are constantly screaming at me? How can I just dwell in the presence of God and make that my one request? You know, how do I love him with all of my heart when I'm used to giving everyone you know, maybe 30% of my attention spilled in my prayer life and then being in India with these pastors that were just so connected to God. And when I asked this leader, like, tell me how you organize this. I mean, you got thousands of churches. And he says, you know, you're so American. You want to know strategy and structure. He goes, what I'll tell you is that these men know God deeply. They spend so much time in the presence of Jesus and they're the most humble men I know, and I'm like, oh, you know, and all of this, I get back to my room, and I just text my wife and tell her, you know what, honey, I'm just shutting this off, I'm shutting computers off, I have to set my mind on things above, I have to be so close to Jesus, I can sacrifice everything else, everyone else can wait, this has to be the priority of my life. So that's kind of how it happens. Sorry yeah. for the long story. No, you're a person who tries to stay really close to listening to the Holy Spirit. That That's what I've come to know about you over the years. And when you describe calling as something as in, in your life that different times, different seasons, 
I can't help but think the Bible tells us that it's the Holy Spirit himself who hands out our gifts. And it makes me think about, you know, I live in Washington, D.C., and, you know, what better tour guide could I have of, say, George Washington's home than George Washington himself? And when I think about the Holy Spirit gives out our unique gifts, and those gifts for, for a purpose, what better guide could we have than the Holy Spirit who gives us our gifts? And so it it sort of makes sense that the closer we are to the Holy Spirit, the closer we're going to be to understanding our uniqueness and the things God's calling us to do. How do you see that play out in your life? Or how, how do you just keep such a close touch and to where you can hear the Holy Spirit in a way that you can just respond the way you did to to the different callings you hear? For me, it's it's the Word of God. Something happens when I read the Scriptures and I, I don't know, it's like the Lord brings scriptures to mind at the right time, and, and I just turn to those passages and reread them, and, and that's how he's always spoken to me. I mean, it's, it's actually really interesting that we're even talking about this this morning, because this morning's reading, my Bible reading was in First uh, Samuel, for chapters 1 through 3, as well as uh, Psalm 78. Samuel, he's, you know, he's laying there and it's like God calling. You talk about God calling. Right. You know, so I, it's, it's weird that we're talking about this because that was the reading and that, mm. that's what the Holy Spirit does in my life through the scriptures. And I guess the thing that I learned this morning about calling was, you know, sometimes we, we maybe we try too hard. I want to be careful here, like to hear a voice or something. Right. And that, that passage in First Samuel just reminds me, you know what, if God wants to get my attention, the creator of the universe has a, a innate ability to do so, and he's going to bring the right people around to guide me through it and everything else, but he's going to initiate. I mean, obviously there's, a, you know, like First Peter 4 talks about we want to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. We want to be clear-minded, but there's this other side of you don't want to, almost manipulate something or force something or feel like you can even coerce something, but it's just faithful obedience to the word of God as you hear it. And then at those times when God needs you, kind of like he'll he'll call you and get your attention one way or another. Sometimes I think it's easier to look back on previous seasons. Sometimes in the moment or when we're living in the moment, maybe we don't see some of the things that we can look back and see. It's been Five years ago now, you made a fairly significant transition from the church you planted in Simi Valley to move up to San Francisco to do what you're doing now. When you look back with the clarity of hindsight, what do you learn about yourself, your calling, and the journey just looking back on that season? Yeah, I I see patterns, you know, of how the Lord throughout my life has called me in different directions. not that I've obeyed perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, looking back, it's, you know, the word of God <laughs> again, you know, just getting convicted, like, gosh, look at these people. They go to where the gospel hasn't been heard, and I need to be more about that, and stepping out in faith, you know, the restlessness in my own spirit, and then I talk to my wife, and she's sensing the same thing. Some things that the elders had made comments about. It's like, gosh, it's all kind of, it's coming together. And then, you know, when I finally 
tell my wife about it, it it's like, gosh, she's telling me the Lord's telling her the same things or stirring her heart the same way. And, and then it was on a drive, you know, to this uh, retreat we're going to that I was going to speak. And it, the moment I get there, an old friend is there, and he's just like, hey, how's it going, you know? And I kind of rush off because I had the flu, so I rushed into my room and didn't really want to talk to anyone. And he goes, hey, the Lord gave me... I had to reach. I know you're sick and everything. I was like, I got to tell you something. The Lord told me to tell you. And he says, just go. I'm like, what? And he goes, just go. The church is going to be fine. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I, that's all. That's all I got. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, do you understand? I go on the drive here is the first time I've talked to anyone about this. And it was to my wife. It's just like, hey, honey, do you think? And she confirmed it and everything else. And then I show up to this place, and that's the word you give me? I go, that's, that's insane. I go, you have no idea what you just said to me. And I mean, you understand, I didn't, we're not like, we weren't like a charismatic church. We don't do that. And another friend, you know, after I landed in San Francisco, one of my pastors was like, wow. He goes, I feel so, so guilty. He goes, because we come from a non-charismatic background, I just failed to say, you know, to tell you uh, what God spoke to me. And he goes, I just want to throw it out there. He goes, God, I just feel like I'm disobedient now. God told me, you know, you're supposed to go to San Francisco. And I'm like, what? And I hadn't even made the choice yet. I go, do you know where I am right now? I'm in San Francisco actually checking out a place to live. He goes, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I called you. Oh, my gosh, I've been feeling sick about this forever. And I'm like, wow, this is really weird. I don't know. I don't. I always want to be careful not to make too much about hearing something. But when, it's, when I'm convicted by the Word of God and then it's confirmed by godly men and people that I believe are hearing from the Lord, it's just like, ah, I better just run with it because I'm, I'm sensing it. The word of God has led me there. And now people are confirming it in pretty insane ways. In John 10, 10, when Jesus talks about, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly or take hold of it more abundantly. I think we're living in an epidemic of sort of restlessness and discontent. People have life, but they're not taking hold of life to the fullest. What's your take on that? Maybe the the why part behind it. You know, first I will say, I am so stinking happy right now. Like <laughs> I, 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 gosh, you know those 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 seasons in your life where you just feel like your cup's overflowing, like oh, but it's not. It's been this ability to slow down and just find my contentment and my joy in knowing Jesus and dwelling deeply with him and and sometimes our lack of contentment is where maybe we try too hard to figure this calling thing out and our number one calling is to know him and to know him deeply and to be like like David and you know it's like oh this is the one thing I want it's not the one thing I want isn't to figure out my calling you know the one thing that I'm asking for and seeking after is not to figure out, you know, what am I really uniquely gifted? Those are all good things, but the one primary thing is I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to just gaze at his beauty. I just want to sit here in his temple and go, oh my gosh, you're so 
beautiful. You're so gorgeous. And so I rejoice in you and what, what you're doing. I want to do what the angels are doing in heaven and just go, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and blessing. It's like, and from that contentment and that joy, I mean, that's where the joy has to come from. And we'll frustrate ourselves to death thinking that a certain position or place will do that for us. And, and we almost run into this, uh, oh, I gotta go here, let me try this, let me try this, let me try this, when the reality is it's not that, it's, it's knowing Him and finding your contentment in Him. And when you do that, then it's like the calling just happens and you're laying in bed and there it is. Well, I think there's a complete synergy there in what you're saying. In, in the John 10, 10 verse, the taking hold of abundance or living to the fullest in the Greek, it, it isn't overflowing. It's, it's a, it's an overflowing of the abundance of the fullness of Jesus that overflows to other people. The idea that if we're going to overflow the, the fullness of Jesus to others, we've got to have that fullness in us first. Mm-hmm. We can't overflow what we don't have. And then the idea of the calling being that unique equipping to help carry that fullness that's in us to intersect with other people. So I think there's a good synergy there. Yeah, I would just say, like, I, I feel a calling right now, like this second, okay? And <laughs> and that is that I'm on this, you know, podcast for a reason, and the timing of it is for a reason, that this is my first time on anything, you know, in a month of just being with the Lord. And I would just tell people, look, here is my sin. I I have not been rejoicing in the Lord. People like me that are task-driven, again, just like we look at relationship as almost a waste of time, and we can look at rejoicing as a waste of time and thanksgiving as a waste of time, going, what does that accomplish? You know, like, I don't get anything done by sitting here rejoicing, rejoicing. Oh, thank God for this. Thank God. And you can almost ridicule some of these things that are, that are commanded in scriptures. And so what I've been doing is, you know, as I get antsy every once in a while, like, ah, I got a call, I got sick, like, ah, you know, I go, no, this is almost like a fast where when I do that, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord anyway, you know, always. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord and rejoice in what he's given me already, thank him for what he's given me already. And it just produced this season of, oh, God, you're so good, you're so good. I can't believe all the things you've given to me. I mean, this is a serious command, rejoice in the Lord Always, I'll say it again, rejoice. And so my calling right now is to tell all those who are listening that are probably like, you know, a lot like me with task-driven, accomplishment-oriented, you know, worshiping achievement, rejoice. Like, when's the last time you rejoice that your name's written in heaven and that, you know, and, and yet this is all the time that this should be going on. It is worth your time and how arrogant we can be to think that, my work and my thinking and my strategizing is more important than my rejoicing. Well, I just want to affirm what you're saying, Francis. About five years ago, when I started writing a book on calling, I met with Oz Guinness, who's one of the better thinkers and one of the better books on calling. And he went right after what you're talking about, that we have to be very careful. So much of what's out there on calling is more about fueling self-worth. It's more about self-fulfillment and less about our relationship with God. And he just hit me hard in the beginning and said, look, when the Bible talks calling, 
most of the time, it's talking about a primary calling, which is being a child of God with the fullness of Jesus in us, and that that primary calling is common to all Christians all the time, everywhere, and it unites us throughout the generations. And in really simple terms, I said it's all about discipleship. You know, our primary calling is to be a disciple filled with the fullness of Jesus, being like him, who makes disciples. Our, our primary do is to is to carry that fullness to other people and to do it wherever we are. We don't have to go halfway around the world to fulfill that that primary calling. So I think this idea that at our core, the fullness of Jesus in us is is from where everything else happens. And if that's not healthy, none of the rest of it's going to matter. Well, Francis, I really appreciate you taking the time out. And I, I just feel blessed and honored that, you know, coming out of this sabbatical or time away, you're, you're able to talk to us about this and bring this message to people, which is a, a really good word. So thank you for being with us. No, thanks, Todd.